Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. We're doing a walk through Philippians and to begin the, this new year, and today we're only going to look at five verses. We, we read seven or eight, but we're going to just look at five verses today. And they are so full of truth and, and, and power that they will change your life if you allow, allow God to use them. One of the things I'm, I am passionate about, and we are becoming passionate about around here, is discipleship. Our, our call is to make disciples. In some ways, these verses that we're going to look at uh, are the most concise statement of how a disciple is to live out their lives in this world. So let me take you to where we're headed, and then we'll come back and, and show you how to get there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. So that you may be blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, and a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. Here's the reality. You live in the middle of a warped and crooked generation, just as the Philippians did. Other uh, translations would say you, you live in the middle of a warped and perverse people. Here's a promise. You are going to become blameless and pure. Children of God, without fault, without blame. You are going to shine like the stars uh, in this generation. If you've ever looked up in a clear and cloudless night from a place where uh, it's not distorted, distorted by light, you will see stars, countless stars. And they stand out because they're, they're points of light in the midst of a dark background. Your promise is, is that you're going to stand out in your generation. Uh, if you are like me, sometimes you don't really want to stand out. But following Jesus is going to make you someone beautiful, something good. You just, uh, you, you'll be different, not because you're trying to be different, not because you want to look odd because you don't. You just stand out because you're going to be different than the world around you. You'll be like diamonds on a black felt background. Do you question that we lived in a warped and perverse generation? We live in a, a generation that gets its truth from social media. Someone says, if you can make a trend, you can make it true. The Apostle Paul described what the world is. He says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes from, uh, not from the Father, but from the world. Lust of the flesh, clearly talking about sexual temptation towards, uh, that tempts us towards a deformed love. Although it can be any desire of the flesh, food, drink, control of others. Lust of the eyes has to do with greed, envy, jealousy, discontentment. Pride of life, our, our human bent towards pride. We want to go our own way, rebel against authority, including God himself. When we look at our world, it is warped and crooked. Lust is defined as love. Marriage, not as a covenant and lifelong fidelity, but a contract of personal fulfillment. Divorce is an act of courage and authenticity rather than breaking vows. 
the objectification of, of women's sexuality through porn as female empowerment, greed as responsibility to shareholders, gross injustice towards factory workers in, in the developing world as globalism, environmental degradation as progress, the decline of a once thriving uh, local economies as free market capitalism, racism as a past issue, all kinds of issues in our world, aren't there? We live in a world where it's hard to be light. But here's God's promise to you. So that you may become blameless and pure as you live in the middle of all of that. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you'll shine like, among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the world of life. We live in a culture that is influential and hard to stand against. And yet our culture creates broken people. And God wants something better for you. So how do you become something different in a world that's warped? Well, come back with me to verse 12. Therefore, my dear children, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The verse starts off, therefore, which means because of what came before, you remember that the preceding verses were about who Christ is now? It says, therefore, God exalted him in the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul is saying because of who Jesus is, that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that we should continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Please note that he says, work out, not work for your salvation. You are saved by grace through faith. The salvation, your salvation is a gift of God. When you put your trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross for you, when, when you surrender your life to him, he comes into you. You were saved. But the reality is our, our salvation is ongoing. You, you are being saved. And that is what he's talking about here. Note when he says, work out our salvation, work out your salvation, he, he's saying, he's not saying work out the doctrine of salvation. You're holding firm to the, the gospel of life. He's saying, work out how you're going to live in this world that brings death rather than life. When we... We'll see how to do this in the, the, the next verse. But the church in Philippi had to figure it out. Um, how to live well, even though Rome was ruled by a mentally disturbed Ciro named, uh, uh, Caesar named Nero. Uh, Philippi was hostile to the, the gospel. There was a lot of occult practices going on in the city, like fortune-telling. There would be all kinds of temples to other gods. How do you live well, pure and blameless, in a place like that? Well, you work out your, your, your salvation. How are you going to live with well in a world where it's challenging? Now, we live in a, 
polarized world where people can't hear what the other side is saying. We see amazing advances in technology and medicine, but very little advancement in ethics or morality. We see where money and individualism drives everything. Your main value in this world is as a consumer, and yet the resources of this world are becoming less and less. We live in a global world where the decisions we make here can affect uh, poor countries overseas. How do you live well here? How do you live well in a place like Perth? You work out your salvation. What does it mean to, to live out the gospel of life in a world where there is very much a culture of death is promoted? Your job as followers of Jesus is to work it out. Now, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Paul is saying that, that the job of working out how you will live in this world is as serious as a heart attack. Now, when we talk about fear and trembling, in, in the, we don't hear much about the fear of God anymore. In the 18th and 19th century, that was a, the, the major approach to God. And people would talk about a person being a, a, a God-fearing man or a God-fearing woman. The problem is, is that God became so distant that it was hard to have a personal relationship with him. So in reaction to that kind of thought and theology, God became someone who's accepting of everything we do. The pendulum has swung to make, swung to make God someone who doesn't really care how we live, doesn't really care about sin. So how do, how do you understand work out your own salvation in fear and trembling? I think here's a reasonable way of, of picturing it. God is like a locomotive train coming down the tracks at 100 kilometers an hour. It depends where you're standing in relationship to the tracks, in relationship to the train, as to what kind of fear that you have. If you're standing in the middle of the tracks, be very afraid. You're going to get run over. If you're standing beside the track, well, I don't know if you've ever stood beside a track when, when a, a freight train is rushing by. It's not fear, but it's not exactly comfortable either. There's this profound um, respect for something that's way more powerful than you. That's the way it is with God. Work out your own salvation. And it's important that we work it out with him and be with him and not stand opposed to him but here's the good news you are not required to figure it out on your own you don't have to work out your own salvation with your own smarts take a look at the next verse verse 13 for it is god who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It doesn't say that God is working in some of you, or God is working in many of you. It says God who works in you. God, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have given your life to Jesus, then this is true of you. God is at work in you.
whether you feel it or not, whether you see it or not, whether you can define it or not, God is at work in you. And here's how God is at work in you. He works to will and to act to fulfill his good purpose, or as the New Living Translation puts it, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. To will and to act, desire and power is what, what the idea behind that, to fulfill God's purposes. So let me put this together for you. We live in a warped and crooked world. More people are calling good bad and bad good. We live in a world that is sometimes really complicated to figure out how to do right in a, in a world that's gone wrong. I spent a lot of time with, with business people and with government and people who work in education. And if you're one of them or have been one of them, you'll know that sometimes the decisions you are called to make are not between good and bad, but uh, between bad and worse. How do you live there? We don't live all the time in a black and white world. The world's complicated. Living as a Christian means that you're going to live out your salvation with God by his spirit living in you. And he's given you deep down inside you the desire and the power to act in a way that allows you to fulfill God's purposes in this world. God will help you to live in a gray world in a way that's both good and life-giving. He'll give you wisdom. That's why we put so much emphasis in our discipleship around abiding in Christ, about remaining in him, about fostering that relationship with him, that intimacy with him so that you can hear God. See, God is as, as a work in you, and, and your part is to foster that friendship. You do that by, by being in his word and spending time uh, in silence and prayer, listening to his voice. You do that by, by taking... Uh, um, the time to, to hear him. You bring all your life before him and you start asking questions. Lord, should I buy this? Now, my, my uh, advice to you is the bigger the purchase, the more prayer it needs. Probably don't need to pray whether you should buy a, a box of Rice Krispies. But if you want to buy a new car, probably should be praying about that. The bigger the purchase, the more prayer. Ask him about your day that's coming up. Lord, would you help me? Give me wisdom as I meet with so-and-so. Lord, in this meeting, have your way. Show me what's right. Help me to speak what is good and true. Help me to be silent when I should and speak when I should. And as he leads you and as he speaks you, you will learn well to learn well, uh, to, to live well in this world. See, he's given you both the desire to do good and the power to make right choices when you follow what he says. It's about his good purposes in this world. His purposes is to give you life and to give you abundant life. His purposes is, uh, purpose is to help you look like Jesus. His good work in the world is bringing his kingdom, the culture of the kingdom, uh, to bear right where you are. 
And he gives you the desire and the power to do this, even though we live in a world that can be really challenging. That's his promise to you. That's the definition of grace, by the way. His undeserved favor in you. God is in you both to giving you the desire to do good and the power to make the right choices, to do what pleases him, to fulfill his purposes in the world. That's grace. Before we go on, I, I want to remind you of an Old Testament story. Remember the story of the Exodus when Moses led the Hebrew people out of Egypt? Before this time, what the people knew about God was only what had been passed down to them through the generations about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had heard the stories, but if that's all you know about God, you don't know much about God. One of the purposes of the Exodus was not just to get the people from Egypt into the Promised Land. It was to get the people um, from a slave mindset to a set, uh, mindset of freedom. It was to get them to live as the people of God. They were between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea, and God made a way where there was no way. And he taught them that he was their deliverer. He gave them manna and taught, taught them that he was their provider. He showed them where to go with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. It, it, uh, and he showed them that he was their guide. He gave them his laws so that they could live in his ways. He taught them about who he was. Now, there was one thing that kept, up, kept tripping up the Hebrew people. They did it over and over again, and it often got them into trouble over and over again. It inhibited their journey. It caused problems for their leader. It caused God to work against them rather than for them at times. You know what that was? It was grumbling and complaining. One of the biggest hindrances to God... Uh, working with the Hebrew people was grumbling and complaining. And you two are on a spiritual exodus. You're coming from a crooked and perverse generation, and God wants to bring you into the promised land of abundant life. He wants to teach you and deliver you. He wants to teach you that he is your provider, your guide. He wants to teach you his ways. Is it any wonder that when Paul talks about that we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because it's God at work in us who gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases him and to bring about God's purposes in the world, is it any wonder that he writes verse 14? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. As you're working out God's ways in and his will around you, one of the ways that will inhibit the work of God is to grumble and argue and complain. Remember last week's verses? We talked about how um, in, in verse, uh, Philippians verse 2 and 3, says, Paul said, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Remember that we talked about how your spirituality is not only about your relationship with God, but about your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul, Paul is saying that the part of working out your salvation, part of living 
out the desires and the choices God puts in your heart is living them out with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And your call is to do that without grumbling, without complaining, without arguing. That's a timely, choice, a timely word, isn't it? Given all the sniping back and forth of COVID protocols, given the culture of social media sometimes, arguing and complaining seems to be a way of life. But that's not how you're called to live. This is, how, how, this is not how we are called to be. So let's put it together. So you're working out your salvation. Working out the choices that you make in light of who God is. And so God has put your, uh, the desires to please God and to do good and the power to make the choices God has put in your, in your heart. Uh, he's given that and put that in your heart. And you are to do that living with your brothers and sisters in Christ without grumbling and complaining. And here's what happens. Verse 15. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. There's something about living out that out that makes you stand out like the stars in the sky. You become pure, peerless and blameless, pure and blameless. You're holding firm to the word of life and it makes all the difference. You become something different. Different than the darkness around you. You're holding firm to the word of life, which is Jesus himself and his gospel. This people is the way of the disciple. So how do you do this practically? Well, you abide in Christ. You foster your connection with Jesus. At the core of who you are, he has given you this desire to, to do right. And as you listen to him, you'll get some inklings of what that looks like. He's given you the power to do right because of his spirit lighting in you. And when you start to do that, you start to align with God's purposes. As you abide in Jesus and listen to his voice, and you'll learn to, to steer the decisions of your life in accordance to what he has put in your heart. You'll learn to pray about all of life, the little and the big decisions. You'll learn to pray about moving into life with the people you're going to see. And when God asks you to do something that's harder, know that he's not only given you the desire to, write, to do right, but he will give you the power to do what is right. And when you're, you do live like this, you're going to live alongside your brothers and sisters, fellow believers. You're not going to grumble and argue with each other about life. Instead, you're, you're going to help each other on your quest to live the abundant life in this world. You're going to support each other and encourage each other and pray for each other. You're going to live in such a way in harmony and unity that it only accentuates what has happened in your own heart. And if you do that, if we do that, we will stand out in a world, you will live a pure and blameless life, you will hold fast to the word of life, which is Jesus, and people, 
That's how a disciple lives in this world. So I urge you, be a disciple of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we live in a complicated world. Not always straightforward. But you tell us to work out our salvation, and that's serious business. But you didn't abandon us, tell, tell us to do it on our own. But you're at work in us, giving us the desire and the power to do what's good, fill your purposes. So Lord, thank you. Thank you that we have all the tools that we need to live in the middle of the life we have. I'm asking, Lord, that you, by your power, would so move in our lives that uh, we would support each other and encourage each other, help each other to grow towards you. And as we do that, Lord, I'm looking forward to what you're going to do. Lord, we do give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.